Welcome to the Breckenridge Podcast. I'm John Bastoni, one of the traders here at Breckenridge. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Kerm Galani, one of our fixed income portfolio managers. And today, we're going to start with corporates. We have a few themes to hit on today. Um, the first one being performance. So corporates and spread products in general had a tough month in December. I'm curious if you can elaborate how the month of January played out. Sure. So IG corporate bonds bounced back pretty strongly after a shellacking that they took in December and Q4 in general. Uh, the rally in January actually undid most of all the losses taken in all of Q4 2018. Some bonds that were trading 50 to 80 basis points wider during Q4 actually moved 50 to 80 basis points tighter in just a few short weeks this month. So it sounds like spreads tightened about 25 basis points during the month, if I'm looking at the index correctly. I'm curious how that translated on an excess return basis. That's right. So IG spreads, uh, like you mentioned, tightened 25 basis points during the month. Uh, so the Barclays Index, which began the year at plus 153 option-adjusted spread, ended, ended the month at plus 128 option-adjusted spread. So corporates outperformed treasuries pretty handedly during the month. Corporates actually had the best month in terms of excess returns uh, since January of 2009. To put some numbers on it, corporates reported 183 basis points of excess return and total returns of 235 basis points during the month. So what specifically was some of the drivers of the, the great performance we saw over the month? Well, it was a very risk-on month in the equity market, and that supported credit spreads. And that was partially due to the announcement by the Fed in the second week that they are going to likely take a pause on interest rate hikes for the remainder of the year. Also, earnings, especially bank earnings, uh, came in very strong, and they indicated that financial conditions uh, are still supportive of an overall healthy U.S. economy. And then lastly, I would say uh, supply also acted as a tailwind this month. Supply was fairly robust. It was, uh, per the index, $148 billion for the month. But that was actually 15 to $20 billion lower than the market anticipated for the entire month. So I think that was another tailwind that likely led to tighter IG corporate spreads during the month. As a result, new issue concessions in the primary market went from double digits in the beginning of the month, which is a continuation of what we saw in December, to flat and negative by the third and fourth week of the month. This sounds like the recipe for, you know, long or corporates outperforming some of the shorter tenors. Did that hold true um, this month? Yes, it did. That's exactly right. So as a whole, the corporate credit curve um, parallel shifted downward. And long corporates, which significantly underperformed last year, outperformed in terms of total and exit returns, even though the spread change of a corporate maturing in 10 plus years was about the same as a spread change of a corporate maturing between you know one and three years. So put some numbers on that. Corporates maturing greater than 10 years in the index saw spread tightening of about 24 basis points, but they had 293 basis points of exit returns. Whereas short corporates, say one to three year corporates, saw spread tightening by 23 basis points, but they only posted about 47 basis points of positive excess returns. So just continuing along this theme of sort of the higher beta sectors doing better, it looks like oil was up $7 um, per barrel over the month to over $50 a barrel. So I would assume that energy sectors, specifically some of the triple B rated um, segments, did, did better than others this month. That's right. So all major sectors posted a positive exit returns during the month. Uh, and yes, the energy sector was a clear outperformer. So pretty much every subsector, independent energy, oil field services, refining, midstream generated the largest excess returns during the month. And that was because oil was up about 19% month over month. And what specifically happened at the rating level? I assume some of those sectors are triple B rated, which helped drive returns of that rating bucket. 
Yeah, given the risk on month, usually we, we, we tend to see triple Bs outperform in a risk on environment, and that was uh, the case as well in, in January. So at the rating level, triple Bs tightened more than the overall market, and they posted over 200 basis points of, of positive extra returns. Single A's and double A spreads underperformed triple B spreads, uh, but they still ended up posting fairly healthy uh, positive excess returns during the month. Great. And usually we wrap up the credit sector with any credit-specific stories of note in the month. It sounds like Bristol-Myers Squibb was in the headlines um, this past month. I was wondering if you can elaborate on the, the story there. Yeah, definitely. So uh, the first week of the month, uh, Bristol-Myers announced that they entered into a definitive agreement to acquire Celgene in a cash and stock transaction, uh, valuing the equity at uh, $74 billion. Uh, so Bristol-Myers Squibb is planning to come to the market sometime this year. They haven't announced when to issue a good chunk of debt, over, we're guessing between 32 and $35 billion of debt. They're going to issue sometime later this year to fund the cash portion of that transaction. So we expect gross leverage to go from where it is currently, which is about 1.3 times to uh, about four times. So it's, a, it's definitely a significant leveraging event for Bristol-Myers. It's definitely the, the biggest acquisition they've made in their 132-year history. So their 10-year bonds were initially 40 to 50 basis points wider right after the announcement. Uh, those have come back about 20 basis points uh, from peak widening, but they're definitely still wider. Celgene bonds, just the opposite, uh, since they are the, the target. Their bonds are 50 to 60 basis points tighter, and they're a lower-rated company, so they'll likely get upgraded by the rating agencies. Great. Thank you. So let's turn to the securitized market. So John, can you give us a market recap of what happened this month with securitized focusing on MBS in, in particular? Yeah, so as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, I mean, January was a very strong month for all spread products and securitized, the securitized sector certainly benefited from that as well. You know, after we, we trailed into the risk-off interest rate rally in the end of 2018, Mortgage-backed securities, the current coupon nominal spread versus treasuries, tightened about five basis points in January, which translated into about 32 basis points of excess returns versus treasuries. This was the best month we've seen since September of 2017. So, John, what were some factors uh, that led to the strong performance in the MBS sector? We hear a lot about the January effect. Did it have something to do with it? There was really a confluence of factors that really helped mortgages last month. Usually the sector experiences some sort of January effect where once you know the, the large banks are done with their window dressing for year end, they usually come in and size and support the sector and buy a fair amount of mortgage-backed securities. Secondly, one of the largest mortgage REITs raised equity, which almost exclusively gets deployed into agency mortgage-backed securities, so that certainly helped the sector. And lastly, we're in the slow seasonal part of the year from a home buying and turnover perspective. Ultimately, that translates into lower MBS supply, which is welcomed by the market given the imbalance between the supply and demand picture that we've discussed a few times on this podcast. And then quickly on, on credit card and auto ABS, do those continue to uh, perform well like they did in 2018? Yeah, the, the prime consumer segment of the asset back segment um, continues to perform very well. And it seems like what's felt like every month over the past year or so. We continue to see positive excess returns. January was no different. We saw 16 basis points of excess returns versus treasuries last month. Great. So we, we've also seen a few headlines that have come out uh, lately about uh, government-sponsored entity reform, specifically releasing Fannie and Freddie from the government's control. Can you elaborate on that? And did that uh, impact uh, spreads in your opinion at all? 
Yeah, so Fannie and Freddie, as we all know, have been in conservatorship um, since the financial crisis in 2008. But lately, there's been some rumors about um, some, some potential changes to that. And this, this really all started with the acting FHFA director. The FHFA is the regulator of Fannie and Freddie. Um, the gentleman's name is, is Joe Otting, who took over in January for director Mel Watt. And he made statements recently that a plan would be released within a few weeks that was rumored to be around allowing the GSEs, Fannie and Freddie, to build capital and ultimately be released back into the public domain. Now, the FHFA does have the power to allow the GSEs to build capital without involving Congress, but congressional support would be needed to fill out some of the details on the rest of this alleged plan, specifically whether or not Fannie and Freddie mortgage-backed securities would have an explicit government guarantee or not. The other interesting tidbit of this is that Director Auding is the acting director right now, while we wait for the White House's official nominee, Dr. Mark Calabria, to be confirmed at some point later this year. So it struck the market as very unusual that an acting director would be making these, these types of comments. Since then, the White House has backtracked these comments, saying they would, would ultimately work with Congress on a very detailed plan, which would obviously take a lot longer, especially as you come up on um, election season. So as it stands right now, these are rumors without any details and any, any implication on the market would be really just speculative at this point. So it seems like there's a lot of uncertainty. Who knows if they're actually going to go through with this alleged plan to allow Fannie and Freddie to be in the public domain. The market's just not clear on it. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say if anything, there's the, the fact that, that they're talking about it leads me to believe that some plan will be released. But, you know, like anything, the devil's in the details. Okay, great, John. Thanks for those comments. Thanks, everyone, for listening out there. Uh, Join us next month for our next podcast. Thank you.